Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And this is a special edition of The Come Up Show podcast. We haven't done one of these episodes because it was a live event. Uh, it was an event called Spotlight 2018, organized by Toronto Tastemakers. Shout out to Mandem Kwaku, Sam and the whole squad. An amazing event that happened at Gladstone Hotel. Basically bringing together creatives, having conversations, showcasing music and the panel that I moderated touch on many different topics. From the first conversation that you'd have with your mom and dad about being a creative and like trying to pursue that passion and try to get support for that. Uh, to, to mental health. Uh, the panelists who do introduce themselves were Sean Leon, Malcolm, who's a model, Amy, community organizer, David, who's a dancer manager, Jody Ann, who's a photographer and podcast host. Without further ado, the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Now we'll get started with the panel. So I'd like to welcome, and I need these applause to get loud. I want you guys to get carpal tunnel syndrome. Get, get red, red hands. I'd like to invite up to the stage Chetto, David Forto, Jody Ann Beckford, Sean Leon, Amy Hosotsuji, Malcolm Omurie. What's up, guys? How you guys doing today? What did you guys think of Toby? It's like you knew what we were going to talk about today. It was perfect. Yeah, man, because those are some of the topics that we we're going to talk about. Uh, my name is Chetto, by the way. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show, uh, which is a music website, a podcast. I've interviewed artists, and some of the challenges and the things that you talked about are with the conversations that we cover in our podcast. It's uh, about the ups and the downs, the highs, the lows, depression, the moments of like, why am I still doing this? How come I haven't blown up yet? Does anybody care? Like all these questions that you, uh, that you may ask as a creative that you talked about. Those are some of the conversations that, I've, uh, that we talk about. Uh, and uh, that's me. Uh, I would like to, for everyone to go around, just quickly introduce yourselves. You got the mic. Go ahead, bro. My bad, my bad. Okay, well, my name is Malcolm Amori. Uh, how are we doing this? Are we saying what we do or just kind of what we are? Yes. Okay, what, what, yeah, what do you do? What I do? Okay, geez, let me see. Uh, for one, I'm a student at Ryerson. I'm majoring in commerce and IT. Apart from that, apart from that. Is, is Ryerson in the building? The Ron High Gang, what up? Uh, apart from that, I'm also a model. I'm a model for a couple brands and companies in Toronto. Started at Nomad, and from there, kind of moved around, found myself a caller. So that being said, I also got signed the other day by Dalcedo, Dalcedo Models in Toronto, Montreal. So, yeah, student, it's a model. I like having fun, one thing too. Always got to do that. 
So yeah, that's me. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? Good? You guys good? Uh, my name is Sean Leon. Uh, I'm an artist, artist and human being. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to be here. That's pretty much all I got to say about myself. All right. Hey, how are y'all doing? I'm. Uh... <laughs> you got some fans. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so I'm Amy Hasatuji, and I am probably the one person on the panel that's not an artist herself, but I've supported many artists over the years, um, and I come from the perspective of supporting artivists, so activists who are using their art towards specific social justice issues. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the world I'll be talking about a bit tonight. Oh, dope, dope, dope. That's sick. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm joining you, you know. My name is uh, David Forto. Um, I, uh, I manage an artist, not to put her on the spot, but she's in the room, T. Kitaguchi, she's over there. Cheers! Uh, <laughs> she's over there, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to put a bullseye, you know. But, uh, yeah. Um, also, I do a couple of things. I like to say I wear a lot of hats, but they're woven together. They're stitched shut, you know. So uh, I'm a dancer, and I'm also in the fashion world. So like those three kind of worlds are like my everyday, and I've been doing it on an entrepreneurial basis since I was 18. So I kind of never look back, and yeah, I'm here, you know. So I'm excited. You guys excited? All right, all right. You got a mic. <laughs> hey everyone, uh, my name is Jody Ann. I'm a commercial lifestyle photographer and also host of a podcast called The E Project, where I interview. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I interview uh, creative entrepreneurs. Jesus. Thank you guys. And after this panel, we're gonna have a Q and A session as well too, where you guys can ask your questions. Um, the first question I want to ask is. Um, and Toby talked a little bit about this, of like, uh, you know, being an artist, can you guys tell me when you first, uh, or creatives, when you decided to pursue, I'm gonna be a photographer, I'm gonna be an artist, I'm gonna be a model, and what your support system, AKA mom or dad, mom and dad's thought about that thing, and what was that conversation like? Um, well, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm discussing music, uh, and I'm going to take some pauses, and it's important that we listen to the pauses because they say more than the words, trust me. Uh, when I started, I'd say I, I, I became Sean Leon in 2012, even though that's my government name. I had, I had a different moniker at the time, but I think it was 2012 when I decided, you know, I can do this. Um, this is what I want to do. Um, and uh, I mean, now it's 2018, so it's been six years, I guess, of, of professional, or I guess dedicating myself full time. I haven't had a part-time job since 2012. I've been doing yes. art, yes. What, whatever it is, you know, whether it's making a film or working on some music or you know whatever, uh, opening a museum in Parkdale down the street. Um, and I mean, my parents were—they felt betrayed. They were—they were so upset. Um, I, at the time, I was, I was focused on playing basketball. That's what I was going to do. I had scholarships lined up. This was it. You know, Matthew's taken care of. We're good. You know, we got two other daughters coming through that, you know, high school, university transition. We don't have to worry about them anymore. And then I dropped a bomb one day. I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving it up completely. I, I don't want to do it at all. 
You know, it wasn't, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to play basketball on the side and, and then continue to do this, or I'm going to remain dedicated and then dedicate part-time to the art. I was like, something was calling me, and, and then, you know, that was pretty much it. I mean, now I'm at a point where my mother is, is extremely proud. I wake up every day. I, I'm grateful for that. Um, I've, she admitted to me, you know, had she known, she would have put me in music, you know, courses would have kind of encouraged that, you know, had she known what she knows now. But, I mean, uh, no regrets. So, yeah. But, so, a little bit going into that conversation of, like, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm, hey, mom, I'm a rapper now. It was kitchen table talk. Any, any, any black, I mean, I think any, any kid, period, knows, right? You know, that kitchen is big. My mom's kitchen is huge. So it was, it was a round table. She found my rap notebook, and I had been going at her in the notebook. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't um, amicable. And, you know, it was, it was a break. You know, we actually took a break. I took a break from everything, you know, from that point. It was like, I'm staying at this friend's house, I'm staying at this friend's house. Um, it, it got really, really um, ugly before you know, it became beautiful. But I, I knew inside me this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be happy. I didn't want to go you know, maybe do a year of college, go to Europe, come back and go to a gas station. You know, I, wanted to, I wanted to pursue this. So, yeah. If you had to do that again, would you do that same thing? Absolutely, writing? yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. No, like writing you know, negative things about your mom or dissing No, well, basically. I mean, like, you know, as a father, like, as a father, I see to my daughter already. You know, my daughter's three. I'm her hero. I'm like Batman. And, but I see it in her already because we're individuals. Um, and, you know, there, there are going to be moments of conflict because I'm, I'm going to want something for her that maybe she doesn't necessarily want for herself. Um, that's how I would voice it. And even to this day, I mean, when something happens to me that... Uh, should probably break me or destroy me. It doesn't because I channel it and, and do what I did, you know, what I was doing when I was, uh, I don't know, uh, 13, 14, you know. So um, no regrets. And since then, I've, I've, I've written absolutely beautiful, wonderful things that, that's brought her to tears, you know. But it was just at that time, you know, there was a lot of animosity, and, and that's how I felt like, you know, getting it out. Okay, so I think that's, thank you. Uh, so Yes, you tell them, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, can you guys take me, maybe tell a story of, like, when, because there was a point where his mom is proud of him, where, you're, you know, your support system was proud of you. Like, oh, okay, this is legit now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leave them be. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, similar, like, kind of, like, upbringing story, you know, like, I... Um, I had like three jobs, you know? Like I worked at McDonald's, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even gonna front, like, you know, McDonald's, Loblaws, and then Hollister, you know, as a model. Like some weird, just some weird choices, you know? And then uh, when I was 17, I actually I switched to like, like um, after hours, like work, like overnight, and then like these people would always like break dance, you know? They'd be, in the, they'd be on their break outside, like folding clothes and then like spinning on their heads. I was like, damn, that's sick, you know? So I asked them to, to learn, and I, they taught me and stuff like that. And then I was immediately like super pumped, like, "Yo, mom, I'm gonna be a dancer. I'm gonna be on like, I'm gonna be on all these shows. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go on like Cirque du Soleil. It's gonna be lit. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. You with me?" And she was like, "Nah." Like, you know, like just no. Like, what are you doing, right? Similar vibe. But then honestly, like, it shifted because I showed her the vision. I was like, "Yo, like, I'm not gonna just like, like, you know, I respect every certain like path, right? But for me, I was like, I want to literally do." 
like what I think the epitome of dance is. Like I want to open a dance studio and like run that. I want to have people like like teach dance out of my spot, like uplift their people, like have youth in there. And I was like, yo, I'm gonna do all this. And she's like, you're 19. I'm like, yes, I know, <laughs> you know. And then in 21, I opened one in uh, St. Clair at uh, Bathurst. So, yeah. yeah. And then at, at that moment, she was literally like. Okay, cool. Like I understand. Like I see the vision. Like I, how are you gonna, you know, like little worrisome questions. Like how are you gonna pay the rent? Like that's an expensive spot. Like are you gonna have people to fill in? And I showed, I threw an event, invited her. She was there, you know, and that was obviously the tearjerker. And she was like, "Okay, sick," you know. So, like I mean, it works. And I love the fact that like I'm here today and I'm able to like show and prove, but also like she's supporting me, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, I've been very blessed to have a really great support system. My mom's here. Hey, mom. Hey. <laughs> so I was really lucky in that department. Um, so I guess with photography, I started when I moved to Ottawa to work with my cousin. He has a marketing agency, and I was his second photographer. And then I did that for about a year and a half. And then after a while, I kind of lost why I wanted to do photography. Like, I did it for him, and then I wanted to kind of find my own voice in photography. So I was getting kind of in a really depressed state. So I decided to, you know, go out, meet more people, and then I, that's why I started the e-project. So it was more so just because I was lonely, and I wanted to meet more people. And then I would meet a bunch of creatives, I'd interview them, and that's kind of like how that started. So but overall, like, I've had a really good support system. Having a podcast is a great way to meet people, right? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you just have a platform. You're like, yo, can I interview you? Yeah. It's really dope. Uh, and can pass on the mic over oh. to Amy? Yeah. Um, so you're an art, like a community organizer, right? Yeah. Is that, that's the work that you do. So was that like, you know, it may not be like, hey, mom, I'm, I'm going to be a rapper. But <laughs> they might have had some other visions for you of like, hey, you know, especially immigrant parents. We have, sometimes they have traditional routes. Was there, how, what, what was that conversation like? I actually never directly had the conversation with my parents because every time I would even try to describe what I was doing, they were like, I kind of get it. Okay, as long as you're having fun. Are you making money though? And I'm just like, yes, I'm making money. Not a lot, but I'm making money. So just, and then we just don't talk about it because she just, like, it's a feel, like, grassroots community development. Like, to my immigrant parents, are like, what the hell is that? So, yeah, I never really, like, fully just sat down at a kitchen table and just gave the description, you know? So, um, I don't know. I just, I did it for five years, and I don't know. She just kind of was like, you do you, Amy. You do you. I'm like, okay. I will. I find that's common. How many creatives here have a challenge of describing or people understanding what they do? Like, put up, put up your hands. Or like, they don't really get it. I think that's, 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 a, that's a big one. Uh, and do you have any stories like that or no? Uh, regards to starting? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, it was weird. When I started, uh, it, was just, it was extremely weird. It's kind of just posing in front of a camera. All right, man, you're this guy. Go do this. It was, it was real uncomfortable at first. But uh, like everyone said, here, it was always good having someone in your corner. For me, it was my boys. And it was my, my, my mom. I was talking about, yeah, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing right now. She's like, yeah, just go feel it out. And since then, uh, whenever I, I do this, or I guess my approach to doing it, it's just, just do it and just leave. Don't mm-hmm. think much about it. So that was never really, like, I guess, like a... Yeah, because you're a model. Your mama is like, my baby's handsome. Yeah, he's a model. Something like that. They're going to say that. that. Something like that. Well, I guess it's bigger than that, though, in the sense that, uh, okay, I guess I'll say you're a model. But apart from that, it's like, you're, I guess, just in front of this camera. You have to bring this image to life. And uh, 
You have to kind of just create this illusion with their brand or whatsoever. So thinking deeper into that, that's where it kind of gets like a bit weird. So yeah, having your mom kind of cheering for you and your boys has kind of helped a lot. So yeah. So I, I would love uh, t for you guys to talk about the uncertainty in the creative field. You know, uh, some of you guys may be lucky to say have full-time job in the creative industry, but not, you know, uh, a rapper. There's no guarantee like, yo, you have full-time benefits and uh, your pension and like uh, a check every week or two weeks. Like, and it's, you know, managing your money is a serious thing. And I, I would like, like for you guys to talk a little bit about that of like, you know, managing your finances, especially living in this city. What, what, what is that like? And also, like, the success metrics. How do you know that you're, like, you know, it's not step one, two, three, four, five, six. How do you manage that? Okay, Go I'll, ahead. I'll, Go I'll, ahead. I'll try this one. I'll try this one. <clears throat> success measure. Like I said, um, I don't try to ever think about it. Like, am I, am I there yet? Or am I, have I reached that, that spot where, where success is? I feel like you define success. However, in regards to the bills, uh, the bills, at times, you're just kind of like, all right, this came in today. With that being said, let's work off this. But I guess you also have faith in the sense that you got to keep working and kind of just put in whatever you do out there, and it's going to come back to you. It's like you send out positive energy, and the bills get paid. That makes sense? There's, there's been moments, though, where, like, yo, how the fuck am I going to pay my bill this month? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I apologize, Mom. Sorry, Mom. Uh, yes, I would say starting out at first when like, you had no idea what you were doing or I guess there was no recognition in what you were doing. Other, other things like side, side hustles, side jobs whatsoever always kind of came into the play and helped there. But yeah, thinking of that, it's, it's deeper. Well, yeah, we'll keep going on that quote, but I think another, how much free work did you do until you start getting paid? I think that's a, that's a big one. Yeah, anybody, take it. I did a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm also lucky enough to, I do have a full-time job as well. Well, now part-time. Um, I work in the special needs industry, so I work with autistic adults. I've been doing that for nine years. But so photography was part-time for a bit, and then when I decided to take it more full-time, which I've dropped down, like I said, to part-time my day job, it definitely hit me. I was like, okay, so um, I have to really get bookings like more consistently, because I wasn't... I was kind of like just okay with it. I would get jobs here and there photography because I could rely on my day job. So now it's kind of like I have to really budget accordingly and it's a lot harder, not going to lie. And once it gets like, so you're getting, say, bookings, do you yeah. still do free work or is it like I'm past that? It depends. If yeah. it's a collaboration, um, as long as it's even on both ends, because a lot of times in Toronto, people are like, hey, you want to collaborate? And the, collaborate, the collaboration is very just uneven. It's not fair. The photographer ends up doing like the whole making the, the creative direction, gets the model, gets everything. And the person's like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll credit you. I'm like, I can't deposit credit in my bank. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, so I don't, I don't do as many collaborations, <laughs> but it de it does depend. I'm still open to it, but I'm very strategic with how I do it. Still. Uh, <laughs> you want? I don't know if I should let it went before me. You know, it's tough, <laughs> tough to follow that. You know, um, I respect that. Retract my. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna DM you now. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean. Coming from like a dance background, like that was my first passion, like my first love. You know, I used to make T-shirts when I was like 18, but that, I'm not, not, let's not talk about that. But like dance-wise, like um, I did a lot of free work. Like I, I think I did like 
like 60 bar mitzvahs for free. Like just some cr- like a crazy amount of like just grind, you know? And I mean, I can always accredit like my talent and how far that's brought me and like my skill, you know? But like for me, the takeaway was working with one of my mentors, like learning like directly from them because they had no time. Like they were booked like all the time. And that was the only time I could get with them and they were doing that gig every Tuesday, you know? So I was like, all right, cool, I'll tag along. And I'll learn a, a one too. Uh, right? So you're still getting something that's important, right? Yeah, like, there's a benefit. But I mean, I was like, I, like today I wouldn't do that, right? I'd probably just book him to come to my studio and teach my youth and just learn on the side, you know, just different ways of thinking. But I mean, now like I would still, I would still do free work. But like, like I guess everyone's kind of saying it's got to be mutually beneficial. And I kind of like to to put myself in a scenario where like everybody wins like multiple ways, you know? Like I wouldn't just be like, cool, it's a, it's a nice trade. I got a sick photo. You got a sick photo of me, you know, it's more like, well, what can you do with that photo? Who can you put that, who can you put that photo in the hands of to get something for yourself after the fact, you know, like, what's the next step of this transaction? Can we take it further? Can we put it, like, six degrees, so that way it's on a, it's on a blog, maybe it's in, like, a next carousel on a magazine, or maybe it's in, like, a, on a, a website of the brand, you know, like, just little things, and I feel like that, to me, is worth my time, but other than that, I would probably be, like, like, I'll pass them to someone that might need that opportunity, right? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Sean, how much, how much free work did Art's kind of different, isn't it, where now maybe you could just put out something on streaming and anybody can stream it, but when he started, like, how much free work, how much free music did you put out or did free shows before you're like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore? Uh, well, <clears throat> that's what I was going to bring up. I was going to say that the, the landscape has changed so much in such a short period amount of time. So now I can, I can, when I switch hats, because I manage myself alongside with my brother, Ricardo. I've known him since the fourth grade. And, and that's why he's my manager, because I've known him since the fourth grade. And he's able to reel me in uh, when I'm going too far. Um, and so we're independent. So everything that we have, we, we, we got to go and get it ourselves. So I'd love to live by like Eastern principles and kind of just float you know, and, and, and like be like a, a leaf in the wind and just enjoy my life and just make things. And, but, you know, I have a daughter. I have a daughter now, you know, so I, I have to provide. I have to make sure that there's a, state, a certain level of stability. And not only that, that things are uh, on the way up. Um, so that's definitely shifted my life. As far as like early stages, I would do certain things for free or for very little. So maybe I'm getting paid 50 bucks for a show. Um, and I, I'm aware of that. I'm going in knowing I got 50 bucks. I got to give my man 20 for gas and I got to spend 20 bucks on getting my boy in. So I'm, I'm making 10 bucks maybe. But what I would do in that situation is I would, I would create something with my hands that I could sell afterwards. So I'm, I'm doing my show and I'm explaining to everybody I'm independent. This is, this is my, my dream. You know, I'm very passionate about it. Um, and then this is this little box in here with my demo, a burnt CD, uh, and like a personal thank you note. Give me what you want to give me for this. Pay me what you feel like I deserve after that performance. So I'm getting 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 50 bucks for this little piece of arts and crafts that I made myself with, with like my friend and, and it's, we made people believers. That's, I think, early on as an independent artist to sustain yourself. It's not the currency, it's making people around you believe that this is something worth investing in. And you can do that simply by 
being at your desk every day. You know, I, I was getting 100 plays, but my niggas still felt like, yo, you're going to be the greatest ever. They, they saw the work, you know. So, you know, there's, there are ways, there are ways to, to make it work. I mean, again, I had my daughter. It was, it was scary. We were homeless. You know, moved back home, you know, in a room with my daughter and her mom. And, you know, the person's house I'm staying at, they're sleeping on the couch. And I'm still working on this album for some reason. You know, I'm still like, nah, something's telling me that, like, I got to make this record. You know, and I think having that faith and that belief will get you through. But you definitely have to have some sort of strategy and plan. You have to make sure that you have um, uh, some sort of uh, fail-safe, you know, because it, it's expensive. It's an expensive habit. And the game's set up for you to lose in the first place, especially as an independent artist. So if you start with 100 bucks, you're, like, down 1000 already. You know what I mean? So... Um, that, that was pretty much, you know, how I did it. And now it's like we're at a point now, you know, streaming is a thing, so I can count on a certain check every month. You know, I know if I do this and I do that and I get enough visibility on this record, it's going to do X amount of numbers. I know that the fan base that I've built up is going to support me on every release. I know the numbers are only going up higher, you know, because it's an organic thing, word of mouth. So I know people are believing every single day. People are leaving trying to figure out what's going on. They click and play. That's going into my pocket. Um, but that's just one revenue stream. You got to have more than one revenue stream. You know, I can't live and die off my, my, my music stream. If Spotify goes tomorrow, if they just send an email like, sorry, we can't pay you, which they can definitely do, <laughs> what, am, what am I going to do? You know, so it's, it's about having other things set up, you know? Uh, when you're talking about in that moment where you're homeless in, the, in, the, in your mom's basement with your daughter and your significant other, uh, but you still said, I'm going to continue to make music. I'm not going to go to Loblaws or McDonald's to get a job or whatever. I'm going to yeah, continue to make Yeah, and not that there's music. anything wrong with that. There's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, I worked so many part-time jobs before I decided I don't want to do it anymore. You know, my last job was at Old Navy, and that was it. I said, you know what? I don't like folding these shirts. Like, I'm done. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't like, I don't like this air of condescension. I don't like your tone. I don't like this. I don't want to do it. You know? So... Um, do those moments though when you're like the heat is on and the pressure is on does that affect your art at all yeah back then and I wish I could I wish I could talk to myself then I wish I knew what I I knew now um, but you know at the same time like I wouldn't have gotten to this point if I hadn't gone through that fire and learned what I learned um, being an independent artist is every day is a gut check if you don't learn how to check your own ego it's about deconstructing your ego and, and moving away from it. But why that's difficult is when you start and you're at that kitchen table and your mom says you can't do it, your ego is what's getting you to this point. So your ego is your best friend until it's not anymore. Your ego is what's telling you I'm not doing well enough. Your ego is what's comparing. Your ego is what's competitive. But, you know, for me, I found the process is, is, is all that I need. You know, and as long as I can have the, the ability to do what I want to do next, do whatever project I want to do next, and the rent is there, and we're going up, and a little bit is being saved every single time, it's no different than anybody else working any type of job, you know? Hmm. You, you guys getting some keys, some jewels right now, or what? 
So yeah, we talk about like success metrics of how do you know you're making it or whatever. I, I would like to talk about how uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is social media and the effects that has on your art and how you compare your, do you compare yourself to other people at all? I think it's impossible not to, but uh, what kind of effect does that have? Because the one side is social media can promote your work, but the other side is, you know, you as a photographer are maybe looking at other, other photographer who's got 10 million followers and you're like, yo, I'm better than him. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts like that at all or no? Um, yeah. <laughs> you see people's work and you're just like, huh. And then even people that have maybe a little bit more followers than you or even under, and you feel like, you know, you know your work is good and you see that they're, like, they're just starting out and they're getting like all these likes and followers, but their work is just very, like, I feel like, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people don't know the difference between like good photography and bad photography sometimes. So it's, sometimes it's frustrating. So, but like but big names like Annie Leibovitz, of course, Emily Soto, it, you do compare yourself. So I, I personally try not to look at their work too, too much because it can kind of come into your work and you think you're coming up with an original idea and you're really not. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean. Because there's a lot of dance videos out there. They, they're really, there are a lot of great dancers out there. Yeah, but I mean, like, I feel that a lot of people can't rock a stage like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of started, I started, like, my path, like, on the stage, you know? And before social media, and I'm fortunate enough to, like, have people that mess with, you know, they, they like what I do, whatever. They support me, which is dope, but, like, either way, I could live without that, right? But I, I like that added benefit, and I, I enjoy, like, appeasing to that. It's like a challenge, you know? Like, how do I fit in that little grid, you know what I'm saying? How do I, like, create a certain pattern to, like make my, uh, my timeline look fresh. Like, I like that kind of stuff, but in general, like, if that went away tomorrow, like, it wouldn't be something I'd stress too hard about, right? Because my talent, like, lives on and off, the, like, the floor, you know? So that's why I appreciate, like, having that passion at the forefront. But, like, you know, for my, my clothing brand, like, I'd be like, shit, <laughs> right? Social media is part, it's a very huge, like, portion of it now, right? Because, like, I handle all the marketing for Call to Clothing, right? And, like, if we don't have that outlet, like, it, it's definitely going to take away from, like, what we've been building up towards, because it is, like, the norm right now, so we've definitely, like, chameleoned ourselves into that world, but it's not, like, the driving force, you know? So, mm. yeah. I think it's a desire, I think it's about what your desired result is. You know, what, whatever you are hoping to gain while making whatever it is you make or doing whatever it is you do. And we're conditioned to compete in, and compare, we're conditioned from, from day one, from house league soccer, from I got 85% on my test, you got 79%. Like, we're literally, it's, 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 we're indoctrinated to believe that. But for me, um, when I changed, and it was difficult, you know, but when I got to this point where it was only about that joy I get when I'm making it, that's, that's the success. The success isn't going to be measured by if it got this amount of plays, if this many people reacted to it, if I now am living this type of lifestyle. That's not what it's about for me. For me, it's about like during that process, was it, did I, did I rediscover my joy? And lately I've been able, I've, I've found like, I think a genuine happiness in that, but you have to really believe that because your personal milestones I can go and say a song of mine, like let's say 90 BPM. Has anybody heard 90 BPM? So I, I can go and say a song that was like a 30 second loop sent to me from a producer 
that I made in this basement in Parkdale where I can hear the streetcar. You know, my daughter was two rooms down. In fact, they ran to the grocery store, so I had 15 minutes to, like, make this song. And fast forward, I'm doing things that I've never done before. I put it out. It's surprising people that are accustomed to my music, and it performs really well, and it's from the heart. And go and let's say, let's say I get 100,000 plays on it. And I uploaded it from the basement myself. Made the artwork. Did this thing. And then I scroll down and Drake got 100 million plays on a song in, in the first, first day. If, I, if I'm comparing the success of this work based off those numbers, I'm going to be crushed every single day. Every day is going to feel like a punch to the gut. You know, we're, we're playing with different, with, we're playing a completely different game. We have different tools. You know, we're from, in different situations. I try to preach to people that we're not in competition with anybody. I try to look at it like it's an arcade at the movies, like a street fighter. There's a player one, a player two, and then there's the system. All that ever really matters is how you perform against that system. That's how you get your name on that game. If you're playing a player two and they beat you, you still won because now you have more experience for the system. If you beat that person, then the, the lesson in there is keeping your ego away from the victory because it'll block your heart and it'll make it difficult for you to get better. It's really about the system. I feel like I'm beating the system every day. Again, I haven't worked a job since 2012. I do what the fuck I want. You know? I, I, I don't... I don't there's, 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 nothing, there's, there's nothing to compare. There's no reason to compete, you know? How long did it take you to get to that viewpoint? Forever. It took forever. Exactly. It took a lot of reading. It took a lot of swallowing my pride, you know? It took the success of, of people around me, you know, catapulting them. You know, it, take, it takes a lot. But, you know, when I, when I found that joy, it's just been so much easier to just wake up every day. You know, I can do things like I can go to the park and sit down for an hour and not give a damn. I can sit down. You know, when my daughter was, when we were like, okay, we're having this baby, I don't, I don't remember sitting down. I don't remember anything. I remember thinking, I need money now. I need money now. I need security now. And then that kind of blocked the process. Then it was like, okay, I'm going to put this song and I'm going to put it out this way. I'm going to make it this way so it has this type of effect so I can have this result and then I can live this lifestyle. But if I'm not having, I'm not having fun in the process because I'm not making what I want to make. I'm making something I think you guys are going to like. And that's, the, that's, that's when it gets difficult in any field. I, you know, photographers take the pictures they want to take. Not the pictures that they see is resonating on the gram, you know. Not, not, not the ones they, they see is getting a lot of traffic. They should shoot what they want to shoot. And then we'll see a lot more variation in art, period. So uh, I think what you're, uh, you're talking about, like, intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic, where the process, you are making yeah, sure that you're external, loving yeah. and enjoying, uh, have joy. Yeah, nothing, nothing but is But it's still okay, and you still do have goals around that. Of course. That. Yeah, I pat myself on the back because I need to. You know? I feel like if you live by people's compliments, you're going to die by the criticism. So you can't even do that either. You, you, you can't even do that either. Because whenever you get the compliment, you're going to get a criticism, or you're going to get some type of hate. And if you're, you're living for the compliment, that stuff is going to affect you. You know, when somebody comes up to me and they say something has affected them, I just, you, I appreciate that, you know. But I, I don't let it get to my head. I don't let it change anything I'm doing, you know. I, I appreciate it. But it just, it is what it is, you know. There's no difference between an Instagram comment and a Grammy. If you look at it, it's a human being deciding who is getting what. 
That's, that's, that's all it is. It's, it's literally created to make us unhappy and, and to control, you know, what we do. But it's, it's not important at all. Yeah, like, I, uh, and I wonder, like, have you, any of you guys have those moments of, like, you know, it could be a song, a dance, or photos, or whatever, something that you loved, like, you had so much joy putting it together, but it didn't react, it didn't respond, so you posted it at the wrong time, or something happened where the world didn't engage with it, and you're like, ah. Oh. And does it, can you guys talk about it, any of those experiences? Yeah, I mean, uh... I feel like a lot of things happen, like a lot of like cultural shifts happen with like, with like different decades, you know? Like for me, I've, I've been dancing for like 10 years, uh, about eight of that professionally. And uh, I feel like when I had my first studio, it was like super what the city needed, you know? People were coming in, learning stuff. People, like other people were growing up as teachers and they were starting their own classes and they had it following and it was a good situation and then all of a sudden like more studios pop up like there's other ones downtown there's like a a new like flashy one you know like I had like a grungier like behind a snapback store like vibe you know it was it was different but when I moved downtown I had a studio on Young and Dundas Square it was a bigger one um kept the same underground feel it was it was it was cool but um I felt like the city didn't necessarily need that type of establishment like people were already on the come up they were traveling to LA like they were taking class for bigger dogs like it was more of a an online thing you know and uh I felt like I put together this like masterpiece, you know, like this spot where like you had like a, uh, I had like a brand in there called Nozel Toronto. And we were like pushing a lot of product out for the city, like going to concerts, doing stuff with like Virgil, and like we had stuff with like other promoters that were throwing parties, and we were like in that scene. But the dance aspect of that whole building, that whole like kind of hub I created, wasn't really as present and as relevant as it was back when I had the like the homie spot up like up north so that was a kind of a weird shift for me and it kind of opened my eyes where like I decided at that moment should I continue down this path and be the studio owner and continue to like provide for things that might not necessarily be needed as there's so much more resources available now or should I kind of work on myself so that if I get to a different position in my life then I can provide again in a different way so I'm choosing the latter now and I'm, I'm kind of working on myself the last couple of years and I think it has resonated with people that that vibe with my vision and the next thing I create, hopefully, it's something that the people need, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, like, um, you know, a lot of the artists that I interview see on my podcast, they talk about how music is therapeutic, right? Their art is therapeutic. It helps them. It gets the low points. It, it gets it out. Uh, but then there's always the business around whatever you do that, like, may bring you down. You're like, I didn't get into this for this. Why do I have to do all these things? Uh, has there been low moments for you guys in your in your careers, your path? Like I can imagine your music is what you love, but then the music do you love the music the business aspect of the music? Um are you probably adjusted to it by now, but I go back and forth. There are some days where I really don't want to answer an email. <laughs> I just want to go outside and live my life, you know, uh have some sort of cathartic experience. But at the same time I, I uh, you know, it's another game. And, you know, sometimes I like playing that game, you know, sometimes uh, I like putting on that hat and, and, and you know, trying to make uh, seeing the art within the business of, you know, aspects of things. Um, but as for like the low times, yeah, absolutely. But I think the low times are dictated by your thinking like within that time, you know, so you know, what, what's, what's a low time, 
you know, if I'm enjoying making, you know, my work, you know, so it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough, because now I, I, could, I could respond like how I would have responded a few years ago, but, you know, that's not an accurate reflection anymore. You know, a few years ago, there were a lot of low times. It seemed like that was, you know, anybody listening to my music, that's, you know, was like a consistent theme. But, I mean, I see the beauty in those times. I feel like they were so romantic, you know, I, I don't consider them as low times anymore. You know, it was just a, it was just a different time. Mm. Looking back, you can say it was romantic. Like, you looking back, you could see the inspiration or the great things that came out of it. But when you're in that moment, you're like, oh, this sucks, probably, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, I, I don't feel like I've had a low day in a while. So it's hard to say. But I, I can remember when I was very focused on what everybody else was doing, and I was comparing myself. And, you know, uh, it, yeah, every day was a punch in the gut. Every day, every day. Angry. There's hostility, tension, you know. I'm, 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 I'm using it as, like, ammunition, and it's feeding me, and I'm on the attack. And like, anybody listening to my songs, especially at that time, a few years ago, it was, like, it was clear-cut what I was trying to do. Um, mm. I was trying to disrupt and, like, make a change, you know. But I just, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really motivated to do that anymore. How do you guys make sure you take care of yourself, your self-care, your mental health, uh, in these creatives, like some, some of us, the, the job doesn't stop, right? Like you're on 24-7 or emails or whatever, or like, you know, it may not be Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and then that's it, you're done, right? Mm. In regards to, I guess, like mentally preparing yourself or taking care of yourself, it goes along, it, 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 it goes hand-in-hand with, I guess, with, with your, uh, like your support and staff, like, so, like your team, in the sense that you have to have a team that's very positive, that's constantly sending you good vibes and good energy that I think will be better whatsoever. For example, even going back to when, when you said a question about, I guess, the business versus how you see it. For example, being a black man uh, in the male, I guess, the male model industry, uh, it's a bit weird in the sense where other people, I guess, I guess, represented more than you. So the best way for me, I, I guess, the way I, the way I went about it, I, I guess it was, a, was perfect because it helped me in a sense where those situations where I had to think about what to do next was, I guess, kind of working with people who I know had those outlets that would help me get to the next spot. For example, uh, a team like Get Fresh, first day of meeting them, it was a lot of love. And from the first shoot and the first thing we did, although like, at a time I was still considered, like, I guess, not really wanted by the media or whatsoever, I guess, too underground or whatever it is. I'm not saying I'm mainstream or, any, or anything. But I'm just saying those kind of guys were kind of there. Like underground in terms of like your name or how you look? How you look. I guess like I'm, I'm from Nigeria. I'm like, a, I'm not the, the typical, I guess, what you would see on the billboard whatsoever. In, in Canada or in North America, right? Because Nigeria is like a fashion capital, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, in, in North America whatsoever. So with that being said, it was kind of like, all right, I have to get someone who, who, can, believe in, who, who can believe in me and believe in like what I'm bringing and the look that I'm, I'm trying to bring to the market and from there going with it. So example with the team like Get Fresh, they really kind of got me out there and, and that was an example of like how all that worked out. And uh, yeah. So like w w when you knew like, hey, I may not be, you know, the, the first people, the first, because I know I don't, I don't fit that profile. Like how did you, like what was your attitude around that? For me, I just, I just kept thinking positive. I just kept saying, let's, let's, let's go. Let's just keep working. Uh, let's just, communicate to as much people as possible. Let's get, let's just keep shooting. Let's just 
shoot with every photographer and, and bring my style to it and, and let, let it work. And to be honest, I just like, I remember last summer, I was literally just shooting every single day. I was working with random people and doing free shoots. I would manage a dispensary, come back, meet a photographer, shoot every different outlets, whether it be Collar, whether it be Nomad, whether it be Get Fresh, whether it be just random. I would just, I would just make sure I was everywhere. You're shooting every day. So I was wondering, like, so neat. What kind of energy do you have? If you, saw, if you heard, like, oh, if I'm not the standard or whatever, I'm a prove them wrong, what, what was the energy like? I'm like, like Sean said, I'm on a war path, or is it like, yo, I, I, that doesn't affect me like that? Right? I remember, yeah. I was, I was, I, the, whole, the whole summer I was bumping Dirty Sprite. So that was kind of like, that was kind of the vibe for me. I'm gonna keep it real with you right now. Like, we're being honest. Like, I was bumping Dirty Sprite the whole, the whole summer. Dirty Sprite too, the whole summer. So that was kind of like, thought it was a drought, that kind of vibe, like I'm angry, let's just, let's just get to it. So every single day I was kind of like in the face of someone that said you can't do this or you shouldn't be doing this based on what's the norm. So for me it was, it was about just being a, beating the norm and just doing it in a very aggressive way where, all right, let's see what he's saying, let's, let's talk. And for me it kind of worked out and so far it's been working out. Yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing. No problem. Uh, yeah. Could I share on that same note? I just wanted to share on that same note too, yeah. like as a community organizer, I could speak from me being a community organizer, but also the art, the artivists that I was supporting that were also doing change making work. And from my perspective, like I worked for eight months, like volunteering, like didn't get paid nothing from my job. But that was like out of, so like talking about energy of what motivates you in that work it was all martyrdom for me like a lot of it was just like how I can't possibly leave this work when there are people in like dire situations that you just can't you just can't walk away like that's a like that kind of work is work that you can't just be like I'm done six o'clock I'm going home I don't know where all these young people that I'm supporting are going to sleep tonight I don't know where their meals coming from tomorrow I don't know if they're going to get home safe tonight like that kind of stuff you can't just be like okay I'm done see y'all tomorrow maybe maybe not see you tomorrow like so that when so like don't get me started about the nonprofit sector but um, so I mean in that sector right like your funding can just be pulled so when that funding gets pulled and then all these youth have nowhere to go all of a sudden, whatever kind of programming it is, whether it's like social work, whether it's harm reduction, whether it's an artist program. Um, and then if they, that space they can't go to anymore, I was like, there's no way I can do that. So funding got pulled and I was still showing up every single day for work. And I was working like 12, 14, 16 hours a day because it was just like that was what was needed. So in a way... So you were funded, a.k.a. you were getting paid, and then you weren't getting paid anymore, and you yeah. still showed up. That's and a hard the same... transition to do from, like, oh. you're getting money and not getting money, but you're still doing the job. Yeah, I mean, you could, like, I could... There was no way I was going to walk away. Like, there was no way I was just going to drop it like that. And to Can we give a round of applause these... for that, please, man? Yeah. <laughs> but, like... But, like, those are those relationships, right? That you literally, you can't just drop that. Those relationships, like, these are people that I still hang out with. These are people that I still support and are still on their own grind as artivists. And the other perspective that I wanted to share was as an artivist in the nonprofit sector who's using their art to support a social justice issue, they often get pulled into two different streams. It's either be that token performer at some charity event because 
you're, you're black or because you're young or because you've lived on the streets before. And so, therefore, we're going to pay you however, like, even if it's $100 to perform. And then the thing is for them, they're like, okay, but then they get screened and censored on what they're allowed to perform because it's a charity. And then, you know, all the donors show up in the back in their suits, so they're not allowed to talk about the establishment. They're not allowed to talk about slavery. They're not about to, you know, sing about serious issues that their music is about. So (laughs) in a way, they get pulled into, like, I want to do my art, and I want to express what I really think, and, you know, I want to express the messages that I want to share with the world, but then the gigs in the sector, at least, are all the safe gigs where, you know, you have to censor this, you can't swear, you can't say this. Oh, well, you know, our executive director won't really like that song. Can you do that song? So it's just like they get constantly pulled into two different directions, and that's, like, just brutal. As an artist, like, they can't just do their frickin' art. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, 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 like, you're probably seeing all perspectives as well, too, in your position, right? Like, all the challenges that artists are facing, and uh, and I, 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 this is not an infrastructure panel because we can go all day to talk about lack of infrastructure in Toronto, so on and so forth. Uh, I guess like, uh, what are some of the the tools or places that you feel like can help uh, artists and creatives? Um, I mean. So as much as I just downed the nonprofit sector, there are some programs that are good. Um, the ones that like are stable. So like for my sector, I was working grassroots. So funding came no longer than two years at a time. So you don't know if that organization that you're engaging with is going to last for longer than two years. So the thing is, I think, and the thing is too, is this like, like I'm sure there's people in this room that are part of it, but like the this artist nonprofit youth centric sector in Toronto if you don't know people in that sector like it'll you'll never hear about this stuff like you'll never even hear about any of these organizations or any of these festivals or any of these youth programs that are happening but once you get tied in just my advice is like make sure that that's not your one and only thing because funding can get pulled at any moment and then they can just say close your door close their doors and be like okay programming's done as of tomorrow like There's no space for you. So make sure you just go in, build your relationships, and have that time outside of that youth space or that, you know, community center or whatever it is to then still meet up with them later because you really don't know when funding is getting pulled. So, yeah. Uh, I I would love for you guys to tell me, like, how did, like, what are your self-care of, like, what are the things that work for you or, like, or when do you know, like... uh, that, all right, I, I got to take a day off. I got to chill. I got to not do anything. And what are some of the things that you do that help you as well, too? I used to be a workaholic. I think I still work very hard, but I'm more aware now that I'm always working because I'm an artist, you know? Like, if I, if I take the day off and go to Trinity Bellwoods and smoke a backwood and I run into somebody and there's an inspiring conversation there and I, I use that, then that moment manifests itself somehow or some way into the work. I think like once you've committed to the work, you're always working regardless. So I think it's just reminding yourself. Like I remember I heard, like to get to this point, I heard Kanye West wor- was working till like 6 a.m. in the studio every morning. And I said, damn, I don't have none of that money. I don't have any of that team. I gotta go till 9 a.m every morning if I'm going to catch him. 
and that was my thing. Like I was working till 9 a.m. every morning. Um, and sometimes I was just like playing beats over and over again or trying to force a verse that wasn't coming, you know? And it's just like, you learn as you grow older that like it should come with a certain degree of easiness. Personally, you know, I think when we start forcing it is when things get ugly and things get difficult. We start to feel ashamed. We start to feel, you know, mediocre, you know, but we're powerful. It's, you know, we're powerful. It's, it's just, you know, it's just re remembering that. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm like, you just, you just, you're doing things that are inspiring you or just trying to find inspiration. Yeah, like if I feel like, I don't, I'm just, I'm literally just following my gut. Like if I feel like, like sitting on, the, like if I feel like just standing somewhere, then I'm just going to stand there. And, and lately when I follow that intuition, something seems to happen that seems like it was supposed to happen, you know. Um, I don't think there's any wrong way of approaching any of the things that we do. I think, again, people have desired results, and then it can start to feel like you're doing the wrong thing. I think, say that again, I don't think there's any wrong way. I don't think there's really any wrong way. If I, if I want to be the biggest artist by September, then in my mind I'm telling myself I got to finish my record by June, July. You know, so now I'm writing my songs with the idea that they need to be finished by June or July. And what if they just don't want to be made? Like, I don't, I, these songs make themselves. Like, they tell me, you know, how, where they want to go on the album, how they want to come out. Like, they're literally making themselves. I feel like a vessel. So I can't force them to do anything. I can't force them to come before their time. I can't force a moment. I can't force catharsis. I can't do any of that. I can just, like, simply live my life, commit to the process, and whatever happens, happens. Mm. I think... Uh... We can use that in our careers as well, too, where you can't force the things that you want to happen, whatever those things you want to happen are, right? Like, have you guys had, like, have you learned that? Like, where you're like, oh, this is what I'm going to do by this time, and then if I'm not doing it, like, oh. Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely agree, and, like, like trust, I, I would, like, label it, like, trusting the process, like, being very, like, like open to understanding, like, like, the path that you're on, you know? But, like... I find that, like, maybe it's just my own personal, like, way of thinking, but I really like the idea of throwing things out there and almost like a catch-up. Like, I know all the time I'll say something, like, yo, what if, wouldn't it be sick if, some, if this happened? And if I don't turn around and do it within, like, a month or two, it's out there. And I'm like, damn. You know, and I feel like I like the idea of chasing thoughts. Like, okay, I'll put this out here, like a little feeler, you know what I mean? And then I'll, like, work towards that. And I, and, and I think that has kind of driven me to, like, continuously like elevate myself of where I want to be but in terms of the self-care just to circle back I feel like I am very in tune with with my like notions and of how to be like a, a solid human being and because of that I haven't I haven't really had much opportunity to kind of like like debrief like diagnose and, and let loose I'm, I'm oftentimes like on like the shoulder you know what I'm saying and I I would I would probably appreciate if I allowed myself to, to be, like, a little more open, if that makes sense, you know? Like, I almost, I almost fill a role versus, like, allowing myself to, like, partake in a situation, you know what I mean? And I think, like, as the years progress, I kind of find myself doing, you know, like, different events or 
things like this where I'm super fortunate and humble to be, but like I also would kind of like to be on the flip side of things, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that for me alone would be a good like self-care moment if I got to sit and listen to something like this, you know? Because growing up, I never really like had situations like this where I never really had like moments where I could learn and pick up things, right? I kind of learned everything off the... Off the off like the strength of like the street and like the, the homies that I knew and the older heads like that was kind of like my textbook you know so uh, we're gonna open it up soon uh, for a Q&A so if you guys uh, have any questions get those ready uh, oh, can you pass it on to uh, Amy and uh, cause yeah you're working what you said you're working 14 to 16 hours a day not getting paid anymore because you just you just felt like you had to help these people and how did you take care of yourself during that time I didn't <laughs> um, I'll be honest but I, from that experience, then I learned, because I just burnt out. Like, I, my flame was done. Like, I burnt out completely. Um, and then also, like, even my own trauma started coming up. Like, my own th therapy and healing process started coming up. So that's why I had to, like, seriously, seriously stop, because I was just, like, I was giving my blood. Like, metaphorically, I was just killing myself for it. So in that sense, that's why I was like, that was pure martyrdom. Like, it was, like, not healthy for me to be doing that. Um, so after that, I really, I actually found a therapist for myself. The f I was lucky enough, the first person I ever found was the one I stuck with. Like, I liked her that much. Um, I did group therapy as well as individual therapy. And I, like, went through my whole childhood and all of my traumas that I've ever gone through with her. And we just, like, worked out all this stuff. And it was... Amazing. Like, if I didn't go through that, I don't know where I'd be right now, honestly. Um, but it was tough. Like, you know how they say, like, you have to go through the dark tunnel first to get, like, to the other side? Like, it is so true. It is so true. There was, like, a whole year I had nightmares four to five nights a week. Uh, four to five, yeah, four to five nights a week I was having nightmares. I was, like, on the floor, on my knees, crying every night, like, for a year. Like, it was just, like, seriously the deep end. Um... But now, like, through therapy, I've learned so much about self-care. I've learned so much about, like, maintenance. Because they keep telling you, like, oh, self-care, self-care. It just means, like, going home and eating chocolate or just, like, whatever, you know, taking a bath because you want to. But self-care isn't about being gluttonous because you just feel like it. That is not self-care. That's an excuse to just do whatever the fuck you want one night. Like, self-care is really hard work. Self-care actually means doing the right thing when you know you don't want to do the right thing. It means eating that damn salad even though you don't want to have salad. Or it means, like, taking responsibility for things that really you'd rather not take responsibility for. Like, calling that person up and being like, you know what, I apologize. You know? Or, like, or whatever it is. Or, like, I know that I did you wrong. Or, like, that's... Like, like self-care is hard. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. And you got to keep every, day by day. Take yes. it day by day. Yes. Okay. And while you're last summer going in all day, shooting every single day on the grind, did you have to, like, did you say, yo, maybe I should chill or take a break? Or did you burn out at all or no? Uh, I'm actually going to speak, I guess, I guess not even in regards to the whole summer thing whatsoever. Self-care is deeper in a sense where um, self-care means improving yourself in certain ways where you feel you need improvements. For example, um, how could I approach this person when I usually approach them in this way? How could I change my beliefs in regards to something else so I can open my mind to other things? Self-care is, is, is honestly just like learning about yourself and 
find different ways to better yourself. That way you better the world. So that's what self-care is to me. That's the post-model, and I guess we could say taking a shower or brushing your teeth or working out. But yeah, self-care is deeper than that. So it's definitely working to be a better person, personality, changing myself so I can be better to, my, to be a better brother to my sister, to my mom, to my dad. So that's uh, self-care to me. Mm-hmm. Dope. And, and uh, if you want to ask a question, a Q&A, uh, if you can please line up right around here. Uh, stand around this area right here, and you can line up if you want to ask your Q&A. Uh, and Jodianne, uh, what is, uh, yeah. Uh, for me, a lot of things that Amy said I agree with. Um, you have to be disciplined, and I think you have to be, you have to realize that you're going to fail, and it's okay to fail, and just being okay with that, and just learning from those experiences. So I think that's kind of like what self-care is for me, and being disciplined. Dope, dope. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up in terms of the Q, uh, the panel so far. What did you guys think? Did you guys get something out of that? Yeah, uh, I'm Gabe, but I go by uh, LA as an artist, Sognega as a producer, uh, amazing, amazing uh, tech talk or whatever that you guys just done here. And... Uh, yeah, just on base of what, like, you guys were saying, of especially Sean, how, like, uh, just, like, going with your gut and, like, just going where the wind takes you, you know? Like, for an example, like, I just, like, met him outside, right? And we just talked like that, and we met like that. Like, you know, opportunities are anywhere, and, like, I feel like if you just go with the flow, like, things will happen like that, you know? And, like, just have questions for you guys, like, on how you guys got here and, like, how your m- mentality was on not stopping, just staying passionate to it. For me, like... I come from a single mother, and my brother went through like times, like terrible times through like, not trying to talk so much right now, but like just music and listening to especially Sean's music helped me a lot through like depression and stuff like that. And hearing like all your guys' stories and everything, just like keeps me like motivated and passionate about. Like I'm lost in the music, but I found myself back in the music. So like, you know, like, yeah. Thanks for thanks for thanks for all of that. Like that is really inspirational. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to say, like, I was at a panel the other day. I was on this side of things, and I asked the question. I said, "How often?" To the people up up here, I said, "How often do you wake up feeling lost yeah. and confused about like what your next move is? Like, how often do you f- wake up not knowing what direction to go in?" Yeah. And you know, my my issue with with panels like this is that we get put on an elevated stage, but we actually don't really know anything. You know, I think opening the floor up and having conversations and getting perspective is key. I think what we're all actually after is just a certain level of connection, you know? So um, I appreciate you for sharing that, man. I really do. Thank you. Yeah, we're all all in this together. We're all a city. Like, yeah, our networking is key. Name's L.A., Sognaga producer. Yeah, you got to plug your IG, bro. You got to get that. You got a whole floor. Respect, bro. Thank you. IG is uh, at SAUG, S-A-U-G, S-A-U-G nigga with Q's. SAUG nigga, but with Q's. Repping Saga. Who's from Saga here? Saga man's? Uh, uh, Saga man. Saga. Saga. Let's get it. You already know. (laughs) You already know. Any more questions, please come over here. Uh, Which is a good point of like... uh, the hundreds of people that I've interviewed from 
uh, Greg Fillingains, who is Michael Jackson's keyboardist, and uh, Stevie Wonder. He was Michael Jackson's musical director, right? Like, uh, you can hear that interview. But what I got from him, because he was telling me stories like, this guy is playing, it's the 70s, he's playing in Kingston, Jamaica, with Stevie and Bob Marley opened up for them, right? So when I asked him for a moment of like, give me a low moment, he was like, Chetto, I'll be honest with you. I'm a session player. I'm a musician, so I get booked for tours. And nobody's calling me out for tours right now. I just have baby twins. I have a wife and an ex-wife. And the bills are lining up. I was like, bro, you're legendary, and you're telling me you could still go through this at this point? He's like, this is the path that I chose, the creative path, where you got to learn. You got to be humble, but you got to learn how to... Uh, manage your money, but it also let me, let me know that everybody's winging it. Like nobody has the answers. Everybody's just trying to figure it out. And um, do you guys ever feel like that, where you're just like, you might have been searching for the answers, and you made it like, yo, I'm just gonna figure this out. Yeah, I just speak from the heart. I, I just speak from the heart. I just speak from my personal experience, and it seems to resonate with people sometimes, some of the time. You know, sometimes people think I'm crazy. It is what it is. It doesn't affect me. I, I, I leave with my, you know, still on my path, on my purpose. You know what I mean? It's like you said, like, you know, nobody thinks you can build a house until you built it. You know, you got to show them that you can build a house before they give you the money to go make another one. You know, so it's, you got to find that happiness somewhere else. That's what I was, like, trying to stress, you know. You know, it, it, can't, be, it can't be about all that other stuff, you know, how we, how we measure success should be on the product um, and, like, you know, how we feel during that process of making it. Uh, my question is, because you guys talked about uh, following your gut and your intuition and whatnot, but sometimes when you push yourself to, like, that brink, like you said, you, you, were, you were sick. You were literally, like, giving too much of yourself. So how do you really judge and, and level, like, okay, maybe I'm going a little bit too far or maybe I need to take a step back and really rethink my plan. I know it's kind of an open question, but... That's good, man. You're good, bro. I mean, I'll take a stab at answering. Like, I mean, for me, I don't... Now I have the tools to know when I'm going too far. But at that point, I didn't have the tools. I didn't know I was overdoing it. To me, I was just like, it just has to get done, and I'm the only one that's going to get it done. But now it's like, okay, I know how to have my, my support systems. I know my own practices. I know when I'm checked out. That's another thing. Like, if anyone's ever gone through traumatic experiences in your life, like, you check out so you're not present, and you realize different things will happen. So I believe in manifestation. So I believe, like, when you're checked out, you're essentially drawing, like the world will sh tell you to wake up, like with different experiences that'll come. Like for me, I almost got into a car accident. There was a whole bunch of like crazy things that were happening and it was just like, Amy, wake up. Like wake up, get out of this dream that you're, you, you're the one that's gonna save the world. Like you seriously have to take care of yourself before you take care of anybody else. You can't properly take care of anybody else if you can't take care of yourself. So that was like all these wake-up calls. Like all these wake-up calls kept happening for me. So now I'm just like before the wake-up call happens, because I do not want to get into a car accident, um, I just try to make sure that I'm checking in with myself to be like, hey, Amy, are you still here? Are you present? Are you mindful of what's going on? What, you're, what energy you're giving out? Like I keep doing this because it's blood. Like it's like 
where am I bringing my energy? Like my chi is in my blood, you know? So that's the way that I'm judging it for myself. And that's just for me, but yeah. Before Sean comments, uh, last round, last call for questions. So uh, last call for questions, because we wrap it up. Yeah, like um, <clears throat> uh, two albums ago, the title of my album was I Think You've Gone Mad, you know? Yeah. And that was, you know, I was going crazy. It was going work. It was, like she said, it's like you, you become a martyr. I felt like I had a certain level of responsibility, too, for all the artists in the city you know, regardless of what they do, the ones coming after me, I felt like I had a real responsibility to like show them a different path. So I was like going crazy and I was cool with being the guy that is going to die for everybody else's sins. I was all, I was all right with that. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You work until you feel tension in your body. When it's starting to kill you, you take a break. Go have a fruit smoothie, go outside. Like, uh, like, understand that, like, the, this need for instant gratification, like, to post something today that has an impact more than something you posted yesterday, doing that daily is madness. It's madness. There's no other word. There's no other word for it, you know? Doing the same thing and expecting different results is literally the definition of insanity. And we're, we're conditioned to do that, but don't do that. Don't do that. Doesn't matter what this person has or what this person has, it doesn't matter. How do you feel? You know, how do you feel about your work? I think way more conversations with ourselves, like conversations with yourself. And if you're like me and you got voices in your head, it's learning which voices to listen to at what times. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you gotta literally do something that's so scary and uncomfortable, every part of you is telling you not to do it. But how do you know when? Simply just by like talking to yourself, having those conversations, getting to know you. Once you have that understanding, everything else is a cakewalk, I think. How's it going? Um, my question is for Sean. Now, I know you're affiliated with Daniel Caesar, and he has his own independent label, Golden Child Records. Now, my question is, as an independent artist from both angles, how do you guys go about marketing yourselves? And like, again, there's a lot of rappers, no shade to anyone, that have uh, gone about doing it in a very like controversial and f promote themselves through negativity. So how do you guys go through the positive route and stay true to yourself, you know? Um, one time, shout out for Daniel Caesar one time, my little bro. Uh, pardon me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good question, man. I think... Uh, as far as marketing yourself, if you're the artist, you probably have an idea of what you want to be or like what your image is and how you want to be portrayed. But I mean, there's a limitation, I think, to what you'd be able to do. I think um, following your heart is like a good way of, to get people to understand like who you are, like speaking from your heart, speaking your mind. I think when we stop doing that, we start to put out uh, versions of ourselves that aren't genuine and then it gets difficult. We don't know who to be anymore. So I think like as far as marketing as the artist, you just need to be yourself fully, completely all the time. Um, in the era we're in now, it seems like, like we confuse like celebrity and notoriety. 
I, I remember, I, I think I got an email about this panel. One of the questions were, how do we gain notoriety as independent artists? But notoriety by definition is being known for something terrible, some evil thing. And we see that every day. Like we see on Instagram, we see like the behavior and what's going viral. We see that, you know? But again, that's conditioning. We've been getting our news from CP24, CNN, it's 95% negative. So then the behavior that people are, are patterning is that behavior. They're getting that exposure, that visibility, and then once they have that visibility, you see them putting out work, you know, and they're quote unquote a success, but you don't really like their stuff for some reason. They're not really resonating with you. You don't see them being in your life for more than a year. You know what I'm saying? And again, that's just looking outward. It's like looking outward. As, as much as I want to like be getting like all these plays and I think I should be getting all these plays and da-da-da-da-da, I, I can't control it. I can't control it. You know, it's not, it's not in your control. You can make people believers. You can make the right chess moves. You can surround yourself with people that, you know, can do the thing. But even still, there's no guarantee in this. You know what I mean? I think it's about organic growth. Uh, really creating a product that you believe in so much so that you can walk in any room and say that it's dope. And once you do that, other people will say that it's dope. And then more people will say that it's dope. And then you can make that lucrative, you know? You can make that, you can turn that uh, belief into dollars, not only so that you can fund yourself and get the private yacht and whatever, but you can have the funds to go make what you want to make next. You know, I think a lot of people are upset. A lot of artists are upset because honestly, they're not artists. They're not. There's a, there's a, like, I, I, every day I see, I see somebody on, on, you know, signed to like, you know, whatever major label and she was wilding out on Dr. Phil, so I know who she is. Now she got a bunch of hit records. She didn't write those songs. So why is she being projected to me? Why, why? It's, it's like the game is, it's madness. Like, don't even subscribe to it. Don't even like pay attention to it. Like do your do your own thing. Like, it's it's actually it's actually like it's it's fake. It's so fake. It's all like you know like don't subscribe to it. Cause if you do, there's no way you'll be happy. You know, somebody's always getting more plays than you. You know, somebody's getting a platinum plaque every day. You know, so I get this platinum plaque, but I don't really believe in the work I'm doing. I don't really have any say in what I'm doing. I'm not happy in the process. You know, so I got to go on Instagram and I got to look like I'm really happy. I got to like show you that this lifestyle is everything because, you know, I'm actually not not really feeling it. You know what I mean? So I just, you know, I don't I don't pay attention to that. I think Daniel Caesar is a good example of, you know, making a product, making somebody a believer and then seeing what happens. You know, you work on your stuff long enough that people, somebody in a higher position believes, you know, you don't sacrifice your, your morals, you don't sacrifice your who you are as a person, as an, as an artist, and then, you know, things start to happen. But before that happens, there's really nothing you can do. You can only get better at what you do and build that faith and that confidence within yourself. Respect. Thanks. Hey, guys, I, I want to thank everybody for their attention, for being, uh, for listening, and thank you to my panelists. Uh, make sure, you know, we'll have an opportunity to chop it up after. Thank you very much, and that's, that's it. Thank you. Yo, what did you guys think of my com the conversation that we had? 
I thought it was a healthy conversation, an honest conversation. There was some vulnerability there. Thank you again to my the panelists that I talked to. Thank you to Toronto Tastemakers. And thank you guys for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning into the Come Show podcast, subscribe. Check out our previous interviews because we got fire. My name is Chetto. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace.